Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about, all while hanging with your mom friends. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. You may have heard the saying, don't let anyone dull your sparkle. That is such a perfect saying for this episode with Krishna Guyton. She's a wife, mother of three, nurse, and entrepreneur. Krishna lives life with a positive and upbeat attitude. She strives to help moms recognize their value while assisting them with learning ways to be intentional with their time and energy. Her business, My Parenting Partners, was designed to give parents back quality time with their loved ones, primarily spouses and children, as well as time to take care of their own individual needs. These services include assistance with locating professionals to assist with meal prep, errands, cleaning, after-school tutoring and transportation, house managers, and child mentors. It's a great episode, and we're really glad you're here. Let's get started. First question, fill in the blank. Motherhood is. Oof. Motherhood is. You'd probably be better saying what it's not and get a shorter list because <laughs> motherhood is so many things. It's, it, you can't just pack it into one thing. It's it's joy. It's pain. It's crazy. It's, you know, the best thing that could ever happen to a woman. My grandmother said, it's the best, you know, giving birth is the best thing in the world. It's the most painful experience for you to feel joy afterwards. Like there's no other experience you'll go through and actually feel joy right after that's painful, you know, but it is really, it's an experience that I would never want to imagine my life not experiencing. It has been a journey. It is all of those things. When you were talking, it made me think of there's a language where they have words that there's just no correlation in the English language, mm-hmm. but it like encompasses like Higgy, you know, like there, there's no word in the, the English language for Higgy. And I would, I, you had me thinking that I was like, it, there must be a word somewhere that right. encompasses all of the things oh, yeah. that motherhood is. And, yeah. and you're right. It's so much. It's, it's so much. It's beautiful. But it's just and so hard and hard. <laughs> hard. It's, yeah, it's hard, but it's like all these different things in one and motherhood, I guess to say it plainly, it's also what you make it, you know, yes. it's like, Ooh, it could yes. be if you're in this and you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, which I don't know anyone who hasn't gone through that, you know, whether it was a time in your life, whether it pops up every, you know, or you go through it just all the time. It is, you know, what you make motherhood, what you view, what you view in that season. And you go through different seasons, especially whether you have multiples, whether you have one, what at different ages, it's going to be something different. Motherhood looks different at different stages of that development because you've never been a mother to that whatever age they're going to be next like you've possibly been a mother and you have two other children that's me by the way yeah and so I'm like oh I've got almost 16 years in the game right but I've never been a mother to 13 year old Richard you know Richard just turned 13 my middle child I've been a mother to 13 year old Kanaya but Kanaya and Richard are two different people and so motherhood is going to look different in those different relationships, they're very different relationships. You know, you're a mother, but then you're also a mother to each individual child, right? And so experience with those different children at different stages is going to look different, especially like perfect example is like the newborn stage that that year one, you're like, oh, they're a good baby. Oh, they don't cry. <laughs> and then you get the next baby, they're like, <laughs> you know, and so. Cried all it's the time. Different. It's different. And how you respond to it is going to be different because you're like, I know I, I got caught up because I'm like, okay, when I had Richard, he was the baby that did not cry. Kanaya, my oldest, she cried 
And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So she finally got to a place where she's talking now. They're the crying replaced with talking. And I'm like, she talks a lot, like her mom, <laughs> you know? And so, and so I'm like, okay, when I had Kaylin, so I said, oh, so I've had a kid that cried and then, you know, it stopped. And Richard, he didn't cry. And then when he turned one, he went crazy. That first year was like, oh, he's just a just the perfect little angel. And then he's running or crawling or whatever. And yeah, craziness. So with this third kid, I said, okay, here's this is how it's going to go. If she cries first, then she won't go crazy or she won't, you know, cry later. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how this works. They're all different. What was and she like? She, she cried. She did not cry for those four months that I thought was going to be like Kanaya. She cried all through the first year, kind of like just a whiny kid. She's not like anything and none of them have been like anything you've ever seen. So I say that to say when people like they say, oh, you've been a mother. This is your third time around. Oh, you got this. You know this. It's different and you're going to have a different experience. So don't think that, oh, because you've been a mother for an X amount of time or you have multiple kids, that fourth kid is going to be totally different than that second or that first kid and acknowledge and know how you feel about it. Because I went a little crazy, you know, it's just like, oh, this is different. This is so different, but I'm a mom. I should know this. I've been a mom almost 16 years, you know, but no you go through and refocus and know that whatever you're experiencing with your child, you just retrain your mind to be able to provide what you need, what you need, what this specific child needs. So it's, it's a lot. Motherhood is a lot. You know, you said something that really resonated and you mentioned the seasons being different. And you mentioned each child being different. And I immediately also thought that each day is different for me. I am approaching each day and each interaction with my child in a mm -hmm. different mindset, in a different mood. I have different life stressors going on at that time. And there was something you said that just made that kind of click for me. Like, yeah, there are some days where I, I am a better quote unquote, better parent because I'm more present and I'm more mm -hmm. able to provide my daughter the things that she needs. And then there are other days that I'm just not, mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to, that doesn't make me a worse parent. Nope. It's just, there are different days. And I think that we need to just accept that. So I think there's different seasons and there's different kids. And then there are also just differences in ourselves mm -hmm. every single day as every we day. approach that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I loved that. And I agree with everything you said. Motherhood is a lot. That was so important um, that you mentioned that just because you break it down to even different days, but different parts of the day. Like I'm, I'm like noticing that like, okay, in the morning you may wake up and you're like, oh yeah, I got this day. And then boom, you know, you get hit with something and it's like, and being able to be in that moment to say, hmm, this started out like this, but right now. I'm not feeling great as myself and your kids go through that too. They get up there like, look, I'm not feeling this, you know, and being able to respect the, the child, especially when they get um, a certain age or space where they can express it or, you know, try to express it, being able to, to respect that relationship too. Like, Hey, just having a bad day. Yeah. It's okay. Absolutely. All right, Krista, what do you value most in a friendship? I value just the comfort in, in a friendship, in a, in a genuine friendship to know that I can call you or not call you. And I know that we're, I'm there for you. That connection, I, I value that connection to know that, hey, even though I haven't spoken with you in a week or two or something like that, I know that you're busy. And it's a mutual respect to say, Hey, you got a lot going on. I got a lot going on, but we're going to make sure that we are still checking in to make sure if you need me, I'm here. So that type of those connections are what I really value the most in friendships. I love that. It's, it's so true. And I think, especially as an adult, it's harder and harder to find that because I mean, it's one thing, I guess, if you have that and it's like been with you all your life and you just have that connection, but as an adult, 
if you're trying to make a new connection, it takes so much time and effort to get yes. to that point. Yes. And if you're a parent or you're married or you you know, you have a full-time job, like it's so much time. It takes yeah. time to get to that point yes. and con- continued constant effort. So I agree with you. I, yeah. I think it's a, cha- it can be a challenge, it can, but it's worth the effort. Like if you keep putting in the effort, you get there. It's worth it. And it's actually, it's also important. And then also knowing just with those friendships that you have different friends for different reasons too. Mm-hmm. Like my yeah. grandmother always taught me that she's like, I got different, you got different friends for different reasons. And she'll go through her list of friends and this friend, we talk about this and we go out and we go out to, you know, travel with this one. Like, and, and it's feeling those needs that you have just being able to have those different pots is very helpful. What's the most daring thing you've ever done? Become a mother. Ah, (laughs) True. I knew that I was going to be a parent. I didn't know that I was going to be a parent when I became a parent. I became a parent very, very young, 17. And I've only mentioned that in the last two years. In the last two years, I've only publicly mentioned it because almost she's almost 16 in those almost 16 years, I carried an amount of guilt. Mm-hmm. And also with the, with the outside, they're like, even to this day. So like y'all getting real, you're getting real Krishna things that I just like literally recently have been able to open up about from my own healing journey, being yeah. able to go back and like, okay, you are not a bad person. I knew I'm going to be a mom at, I think I said 25. Now, when I go back, I'm like, it probably wouldn't happen until I was 30. Cause like, you know, but I would be following my mom. I'm like, my mom is my superhero. Her and my dad, got married and they had me at 25. I'm like, I'm going to have that life, you know? And 17 years old, I had, I'm with this child. And over that course of time, I would just be like, you know, I was shamed publicly. And then also things would trigger like, you know, when people say, oh, you look so young. And up until now, like it affected me literally up until like the last year. And I'll be like, because they know because I'm a bad person, because, you know, all those things. And it impacted me as a parent, honestly, um, trying to be the person that the world wanted me to be or fit into that box. When I know that my daughter is here on purpose, it's very hard. Like people think it's this easy, but because I have a medical background, there's literally only one time during the month, you know, that that can happen. There's only one time and one specific moment that you can actually conceive. And so she's very purposeful on this earth. And I'm proud to say it now that she's here And we went through this journey together, but yeah, becoming a mother at that time was very daring because there were other things that I could have done. And I chose for her to be here. Other options were presented and all these things. And I said, no, this is happening, you know, and it was very, very, very scary. The second thing was leaving my hometown in Ohio, where I had this huge family, this huge support. I left there with her and her brother to move here 10 years ago now, but by myself. And there was a lot of struggle from outside forces. They're like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You are leaving with these two children by yourself. Yeah, you got this paper where you can go work as a nurse, but you don't have anyone there, which I did. I I have, you know, very few family members, I guess, compared to where I came from, but it was scary, but I also, it it was also, I felt like I was blinded and I had to be, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't, because if I had taken on those fears and if I had taken on the feelings of the people that were surrounding me, I would tell you probably the only person that didn't say anything negative or discourage me with my dad. He put in those, those comfort measures when it was needed. Like it was like, you know, he supported this and I understand now I get it now. I didn't get it then. I was too young to understand like, what is wrong with them? I'm, I'm coming because I'm not happy here. I am. I'm depressed in Ohio. 
it was a, a, just a lot going on. And then the weather's terrible. I hate the weather, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it, literally yeah. that was part of the reason it's like, I got to get out of here. And I tell you, it is the best decision that I've ever made for so many different reasons. I look back now and I'm like, you were kind of crazy. The number three thing was what I'm doing right now. Opening up the the center, I I call that like my third craziest or daring thing that I did. Mm -hmm. I am very much a planner and very strategic. And so doing this at this time before I got it to the way that I've seen it, you know, if I had waited to the way that I saw it, pictured it, it'd be years before this exists. And a lot of people would not be helped. But yeah, those are the three daring things. Like you asked for one, but it's three. (laughs) I mean, and all three of those are very daring. Stepping outside of your comfort zone. Thank you for being willing to share. Quite a bit of those were things that came from your younger years. What advice would you give to your younger self? That it's okay not to know. It's okay not to, to know how things are going to pan out. It's okay not to be perfect or do everything right. You know, I still, I would say I still sometimes even have those things where I'm like, okay, you got to get out of that. Like still on on that healing journey in terms of you're trying to do everything the right way. And the truth of the matter is I, I do truly believe that it's about your intentions. What are your intentions? Because everything is not necessarily going to go the way that you thought it would go. But as long as you're coming in with a pure heart and, you know, your intention is to do good, then it's going to pan out the way that it's supposed to happen. And it's going to, you know, impact the people that it's supposed to impact. So to my younger self, you know, it's okay. Literally, it's, it's okay. You're enough. You are amazing. And just go through that journey the way that you see, you know, you see it, take advice, always say catch it or pass it, take advice, see if it works, you know, does it, what parts of it work? You don't have to necessarily always take everything that you're given, but it may be, you get a piece of advice and it's like, that's it, that piece right there. Kind of like what you're saying, like that clicked, that one piece clicked, take that and leave the rest of it like changes who you are, or you're trying to change to fit someone else's perspective of who they believe you should be, be true to yourself. Be true oh to yourself. Oh my gosh. I'm going to say that to my kids. Catch it or pass it. <laughs> there <laughs> there you go. Go. <laughs> I also really loved the part where you said, it's okay not to know. We've had conversations before Chrissy and I, and with some of the other moms, I think we've even talked about it on here in previous episodes about when kids go off, they graduate from high school and we expect them to have a career in mind of what they want to do and Mm -hmm. and what their major is going to be in school and just follow that. I mean, how many of us are actually doing what we studied? Seriously, right? Like there's no way to know. So that was such a beautiful message. Yeah. Thank you for that. In September of 2020, you were interviewed for an article in Spectacular Magazine, which is a news and information digital platform that focuses on issues that affect people of color. This was a wonderful article, Krishna, where you discussed being a wife and a mother of three and your journey to becoming a nurse. So in the article, you said, quote unquote, serving is your calling. Mm -hmm. The decision to become a nurse was solidified for you when in 2009, you gave birth to your son prematurely Mm -hmm. and watching the way that the nurse cared for your son. Mm -hmm. And that helped you to realize that you wanted to move in that direction with your career. Based on what you've said to us already, you were a mother to two kids at this time. So uh, a toddler, an infant son who has special needs while you completed your studies in nursing. Chris, now that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. We can only assume that this was a time of immense effort for you, yet we're constantly reminded that struggle provides the impactful lessons in life. Mm -hmm. So will you take us through this time in your life? Were there any lessons in this period of struggle 
and do those lessons still apply today? Can you still apply them to your life today? <sighs> wow. Taking you back there. Yeah. There. So that in that place, again, I think there's times in my life that the blinders have to come on in order for me to really do what I'm supposed to do in that moment. So similar to, you know, I didn't realize till a couple till now or a couple of years ago, like, oh, that was a little, that was a little, a lot. In that moment, it did not feel like a lot. It felt like it was a lot, but because it, I had a goal. And in that moment, when I moved down here, my goal was I need peace. I need happiness. I need joy. So whatever it takes for me to get that, then that is what I'm going to do. And you look back like, oh, wow. So in that moment, the reason why I went to nursing school was because I saw, you know, I saw this woman who actually, it was almost like a sign because I was in, I went to Kent State and she was actually my tutor in biology. I loved biology, sat in the front, got good grades. I'm like, man, this is so cool. And I would go after biology class, like, I did well, but I just loved it so much that I would go to the tutor. Me and my friend, we'd always like leave class and we'd go to the tutor who was the nurse that cared for my child. And I said, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do this. And, and also at that, at that moment, not only did I find that connection, but I'm also like, I need to do this because now I have two children and we we are going to need to be able to provide for them. And so I have, I have Richard, which I said, he was really good, right? He's like just a little angel. So I'm sitting there and I'm sitting beside him doing my work every day for class. I'm doing my work. And I look back on that time and I think I really wish if I could go back that I had a little bit less of the focus on that one goal, because at that time it was like, okay, this is the goal and I have the children, but I need to do this. So, you know, I sat him beside me, but now where I have a bit more of a broader perspective in terms of all these places have to fit simultaneously. Like I have your business or your work, you have your family, and then you have yourself. And so at that time, it was like, everything was very structured, very, okay, you go to bed, you go, you, you go to school, I go to, go to work, I go to class and we eat. And it was just like, that, 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 you know, like, and now I feel like I have a little bit more flexibility, more freedom to say, Hey, if it doesn't happen like this, you know, what is the actual goal here? The goal is for me to be able to spend intentional time with my kids. I want to actually be able to know, you know, what's going on, or I want to be able to have a bond in a relationship. Like that is a goal. And then the goal is to make sure my other baby, which is my business is also taken care of. And so sometimes the kids take a back seat, but sometimes the business takes a back, but it's like, it's less, it's it, at that time, the struggle was that it was more of this struct, very like things have to happen like this in order for me to reach this. Now it's more, like I said, you don't have to know things are not going to happen like that, you know, but the goal stays the same. How do you still reach your goal? but also allow just thing your life to happen, you know? And if things don't happen the way that you may have originally planned it to happen, it's okay. It's you're okay. Say, it sounds like you're saying that when you first, I, you came down here to do your nursing, right? So I you, was there. I was you in were Ohio. in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I was in Ohio. Ohio. Mm-hmm. So you had the support of your family. I did. There to, with the kids. Yes. But it sounds to me like what you're saying, a life lesson is, at that time you were very structured and you had one goal in mind and you were going towards that goal regardless. And now at this time in your life, you're saying, I think it would have benefited me a little bit to have more flexibility because I would have liked to spend more time 
with my children. You know, in all of that, I'm hearing survival. Yeah. The word survival just keeps coming into my mind. That's what it was. Yeah. You, you do what you can in your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when we're really young children, we adopt messages and we change them into our minds and change, change them into different stories, all out of feeling safe mm -hmm. and for our own survival. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. sounds like, like that's what it was for you. Does that fit? It definitely fits. It definitely fits. And that's what I, that's exactly what I feel. It has been really the transition. It's like now I feel more free. I feel like I'm not necessarily in survival mode. I feel free to make mistakes. I feel free to, you know, not have things perfect or, you know, or have things exactly in such a way where at that time it was like, if I don't do this, then my kids will suffer. But then it's also okay, my baby probably needed a little bit more, even though he was right with me, you know, the entire time he's sitting next to me, watching me type of way. And they get, they get that sometimes, but they get, but it's more intentional to where, okay, this is mommy's time that I have to work because I still have to work. But then when I'm done, then we will do this or before I do this, but it's more, okay, you, there's more of an understanding versus we just going to do things like this. And this is the way that life is, you know? So I, I think that that was like just the lesson for to, for now it's things don't have to be exactly the way you planned, you know, yeah. right now you've got more lived experience mm -hmm. back then you were young and you didn't so young the early lived 20s. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Lived experiences. Yeah. To, to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Krishna, you've spoken with us before about the importance to you of perinatal mental health issues mm -hmm. and how this has had a personal impact on your life. Can you share with our listeners a bit about your journey through perinatal depression, what that looked like for you and your family, and how has your experience influenced the decisions you've made throughout your postpartum period, your professional career as a mother, because any experience with, you know, any kind of mental health issue, it does impact and it does influence mm -hmm. who you are and how you approach these aspects of life. So we would love to hear how that has had a, had a role in your life. Wow. Yeah. So I've actually had perinatal depression with all three children. We, and we talk a lot about postnatal depression. We talk a lot about it, but there are a, a percentage of mothers who experience that depression while they're actually pregnant. And that's what that means, that you experience those feelings of, of depression during your pregnancy. And so the first experience was with my daughter, stayed in a room, was definitely just isolated. And I do feel that the, some of the outside forces kind of was a, was a trigger or kind of helped or didn't help for that situation to, to come. And then with my son, it was a little milder, but with my, with my last child, and I say last figuratively and literally because I am done. No, but um, uh, my baby, Galen, I had it probably the worst than I've had it of all three. And I, they do say like, you know, with each child that those depressive states, whether postnatal or perinatal, it kind of gets a little worse if you're experiencing it. This time I, I was in, in my home. And like I said, you, I love light. And I literally would turn off all of the, the lights and made it so dark. And I was kind of like, just like staring at the walls and I could feel that I wasn't myself. It's almost like, you know, like this isn't me. And for me, like, I don't like it. Like, I don't like being, I don't really like being sad or depressed. It's something that like I seek to not be in that space. And so I'm like, I felt like I was like trapped, you know, in my body, you know, and, and 
during that time in terms of my family at that time. Now, you know, my husband had never experienced this because, you know, he wasn't there during, you know, my first two children. And so, and then my daughter was also old enough, excuse me, to kind of understand, to see, to know that something wasn't right. And they just kind of supported me the best way they knew how. My friends that I spoke about, those are other things you value in, in relationships. They're like, oh no, she would come and she kind of like, dra- I always say she dragged me out the house, but, but she came, she's like, hey, we're, we're going to get out today. So be ready to go and would come and took me out to get sun and just that level of support. But it really impacted just the way that I the way that I took care of myself, I guess, like just making sure that people were aware that I was not in the best place. Like I, I'm very vocal. Like if I'm not, even to this day, like if I am feeling like down, you're going to know it. I'm not, I'm not doing it by myself. I'm just going to let you know, like, look, today is one of those days. I don't know why I'm feeling like this but I am feeling a little down and they know when I'm happy. My family, they're like, this chick, she's just like always, she's always talking. I'm like, I'm so happy today. I'm so excited. And my, and my husband, he's like, you're always so excited. You know, like, but yeah, it's like, yeah, that was definitely a really tough time for me. But I would say having that support, not only in my household, but outside of my household and then eventually going to therapy. After that time period, once I gave birth and everything, I went to see a therapist and we were able to like really start the healing, really start the healing process from why I was experiencing these things. And I think that that was very pivotal in terms of, and I was, and it was a time where I could be receptive because sometimes, you know, a lot of times when you go into these spaces and you're going to therapy and you, you have to, it's all about you. My yeah. therapist is like, it's all it, like everything that happens. It's, it's you. And so not saying that, you know, if, if someone does something terrible to you, like that, it's okay because it's not okay. But you know, the way you respond to things, the way that you internalize it, you it's, it's about you. And so being able to go through that experience and get those tools to better know how to process things and better know how to understand, even be, even just the level of empathy, you know, because sometimes things happen in our life. We're like, they're out to get me or why would they, or why would they do something like that to me? And it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with possible, you know, experiences they had. And so that was very, that was extremely helpful. And now, like, even when I experience, if I experience things where if I'm having a, a, a experience, if I've had an experience, I can just call like, hey, we're going to need a midweek so I can <laughs> talk about it, get a couple of tools in my belt, you know, yeah. or refresher. Like I tell my, my therapist, I have a delayed process. I mean, she told me things in the beginning, like two years ago that I just did this year. And I was like, you know, I have a delayed response to some <laughs> things. Like I was like, I just did it. And then I was like, it was amazing. Like, but you have to be ready for it. Ready. Like, pe- like, people can tell you things mm-hmm. until they're blue in the face. If you are yeah. not ready and receptive and it's not the time for you to absorb it mm-hmm. and put it into practice, mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's gonna just, you know, it's just like, okay, go in I'll, one ear and out the other. Yeah. You know, it's amazing that you had the support system that you had, that you sought out therapy, but what I think shows, you know, your true strength is that you knew to ask for help. You, you said that, and that really resonated. And I think that's so important. And I think that's hard to do when you are in the thick of something like depression, it's almost impossible to, to take that step and ask for help. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is huge to at least have yeah. one person in your life that you yeah. can turn to and mm-hmm. say, I'm not doing so good. Yeah. Um, at so least, that, that takes some true strength. At least one, I'll say, hey, when I went through the, the period of time, I actually went through a period of time after having Caitlin, when I tried to jump back in and I'm like, all right, because the business went on pause. I mean, we launched, we had so much, like literally my appointment books were filled in terms of just the interest of 
taking on the services and I got pregnant, went into depression and had to pause and like, okay, this is put to the side. And then afterwards, you know, I gave birth and I'm like, okay, I'm back. You know, like I'm okay now. I'm like, okay, I'm at home. I'm going to put the business back into play, you know, like, let's go, let's get it back in up and running, rev up the engine. And now I can take care of the whole household and do everything because I'm home. And yeah, no, I went to, (laughs) that was a, yeah, yeah, no. So I I called because I started feeling like really overwhelmed. And again, at that time, now I'm like vocal, I'm tell somebody. And I texted three people. I texted three people, only one person called back. And that was that friend. Shout out to Tisha. Okay, like I'm just like, let's just just say it, you know, shout out to her. But she was the only one that called me back. And she's like, okay, have you talked to your mom friends? And she hasn't, she hasn't had a baby yet. And so I said, no, you were the first one to call me back. You know, I'm dealing with, with this. So I need to talk to somebody. And what do you got? because you called me back. So you must have something. And so she said, she's like, okay. She's like, you know what? So I told her what I do every day. And she's like, honey, she's like, it sounds like you need to get a little organized. And I said, organized, you know, like all this stuff going up three kids with this husband. Like you want me to get organized as the advice. So yeah. Needless to say, I was like, okay. And we got off the phone. And then next thing you know, I stayed up all night And I'm like, okay, get organized. So I wrote down all the things that I did. And I said, you're doing too much. You're doing way too much. Like, no wonder you can't get this started back up because you already have too much on your plate. And I think there was a misconception that because I'm at home now that I should be able to handle all the things for the kids. I should be able to handle all the cooking, the cleaning. I should be able to handle all of the, you know, errands and do all these. I even with I even breastfed for the first time, cloth diapering. Like you're just really out of line. Like who do you think you are? Who do you think you you're are? Amazing, but ma'am, you really need to check yourself. And so, you know, at that point, that's when I like kind of just started to restructure my home. You know, it's like, yeah, I can't do all this. And since then, it's like even even to this day, I just passed off some things to my husband in the business because owner. So I'm like. You're going to have to, that the title is, you know, he does a lot, but there were some things that I was doing that falls under his title. And I said, yeah, you're going to have to start. I trained him on it, you know, just, just today we did a training before, before we came on here. And I said, you got that. I said, we'll do a couple more trainings. And if you have any questions, he said, well, what about this and all that? But like, literally it started there. It started from that point where I'm like, okay, family meeting. So this is what's happening. It sounds like a successful day then. I mean, okay. you've, you've already had a successful day. I already had a successful day. It's, <laughs> it's only up from here. But <laughs> Well, speaking of your business, so yes. I want to dive into that just a little bit. So throughout history, especially through the recent pandemic, we hear often, and many of us know personally, how the cards are stacked against working mothers, how society is not structured in a way that allows mom to thrive both at home and in corporate America, you saw a need here mm-hmm. and you set out to create a solution that would help mothers navigate both of these roles that often seem like they're at war with each other. Yes. Can you share a bit about your, well, you kind of already shared a bit about your journey, um, founding my parenting partners. Yes. Why do you see this concept being so needed in our society today? And how do you ultimately see what you have created serving and helping parents? Mm, Okay. So it's absolutely needed. The one thing that the, the thing that we need is support that whole situation where I was trying to do everything by myself or trying to like do what I thought I was supposed to do alone. And, and, and that's experienced all across the board with mothers, you know, you have this perception of what motherhood is supposed to be and what you should be doing. And what the reality of it is, is that that's not healthy, you know, and it's not a way that you can really be your best self. Like my, I want to be the best person that I can be or the best version of myself for my kids for my, and for myself. And so with that, I, you need help. 
you need support in terms of just with everything. And so what I've actually done is I, I kind of just like really thought about the practical things and the things that were actually causing me stress. And so trying to run this business and also talking to other mothers during the coaching phase about just the general, the general stressors of having that childcare, being able to have someone to take care of your children and you not feel guilty about just leaving them somewhere or it's not affordable. So, you know, even we would come up like, okay, what's, what's the plan that could help? Well, it's too expensive, you know? So knowing that even though, you know, these things are happening, we still need support and we still don't need to feel guilty about doing something that either we love or it's something that we have to do, which is like work, you know, in turn to take care of our family, because at the end of the day, you still have to make sure that you're able to provide for your family. That still has to happen. That's not going anywhere. And so providing a space where you can get that, you know, you're coming to the one space, (laughs) you know, that takes off the guilt, that takes off a little bit of the guilt. We even have, we have children that'll that have a little bit of separation anxiety. So we like set up a space inside. So it's like, we want to help you as much as possible. So if you need to sit in here and allow your child to transition into being comfortable with the space, it's all about you being able to take care of yourself and take care of your children in the best way possible because the kids, they need us. And we also need to be able to do the things that we feel passionate about, like that purpose, like even with this, with this business. And what I said earlier, hey, I have to do this now, but I want to do this. And so I need to make sure that I am able to still do these things that I thoroughly am passionate about because it's a part of me. And so making sure that I also have a space where, okay, when, when parents come in, you can do these things and your kids aren't lacking that attention or they're not lacking that, you know, that love and support. I mean, they come in there and they're, and they're like, they come in maybe the first time, I'm like, I don't know about this place. And then parents come and get them and they're like, I don't want to go. It's time to go. No, 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 no. And I said, yay, that's the whole goal. And so like, you just want that peace of mind, that comfort to know that, okay, my kids are Okay. So I can fully focus on these things that I really care about because it's important to you to be able to do these things. Krista, that is so what you have built is so needed by moms in the community and just that added support. I I want to take you back to the article that I referred to earlier. It's Mm -hmm. just such a great article giving you back more background on you. Well, link to it in our show notes so that others can enjoy it as well. You stated in the article that your goal is to quote, help mothers improve their quality of life while raising their children and leading purpose-driven lives, Mm -hmm. end quote. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just have to sigh there. Her health collective shares this vision so much. Mothers have needs that require fulfillment in order to be stronger mentally physically, and emotionally. I felt so validated when I read your quote in this article that's quote, we, referring to moms, are often overlooked, not in the sense that people don't see how hard we work, but in how much help we truly need. We often sacrifice ourselves to provide for our families. We operate on just enough, whether that be sleep, food, dreams, or help in general. We take on more than we should, and I am here to change that dynamic, mm-hmm. end quote. In the last question that Chrissy had asked, you provided a lot of different ways that you're changing the dynamic. One of the many ways that Her Health Collective attempts to accomplish this as well is through our four initiatives and bringing awareness to key issues that impact mothers. One of the four initiatives that we focus on is equal access. To maternal mm-hmm. care. As a mom of three who also experienced mental health concerns while you were pregnant and being a health professional, a nurse, mm-hmm. do you have 
any experiences you'd be willing to share of different barriers you faced in accessing high quality maternal care. And you could also refer back to various different areas you've supported as a nurse. And if you've seen any changes, positive and or negative in regard to equitable care for mothers. Yeah. I think that the access is access and awareness. I think that those that that's the big deal here being able to, there's so many, there's so many things out there. So many programs, there's so many, so many ways that mothers can receive support and help, but having the access to the knowledge is, I think that has been the barrier, the biggest barrier, because we have, we live in this world where everything is at our fingertips and you can just like kind of Google, you know, something, but having that the access to know just in one place, like I need this specific thing and I need it in this specific way. Being able to know where to find what you're actually looking for, I believe was a barrier. Also just even having children, the difference in in knowledge in terms of what's available and the experiences that you could have. Just an example, when I had children, my first two children, I had them in the hospital and they were, they were pretty terrible experiences for a couple of different reasons, but I didn't want to go through that again. And so I came in super prepared. I said, Hey, okay. They have these things called birth plans. What? Didn't know anything about that. So I like completed my birth plan. I'm all excited. And I say, okay, now I'm going to take it to the doctor because I don't want to have another premature birth. I don't want to have another experience where I'm going to the hospital and I feel like I'm not getting the best care. And so if I'm prepared, then maybe I have a better experience. And so I went to the doctor with the birth plan and she immediately, you know, I, I said, oh, I got my birth plan. She's like, okay. And like, Okay. I said, so I have some questions about it because I want to know more about this experience now that I have this knowledge. And I asked her about, like, I think I asked her about cord banking and cord, like how long could we wait before we cut the cord? Because I had knowledge now through my research that, oh, the longer they stay attached, they're still receiving blood from you. They're, you know, that's, that's very helpful. And so she's like, well, we cut it at this time. And so me, I'm a person, I want you to answer, you know, the question. And I'm also pregnant now and have gone through some mental health challenges to which this doctor didn't even acknowledge. It's like, you saw, did you not check my chart from the week before or two weeks before that said that I scored very high that, you know, I was indeed depression, never mentioned it. And so, you know, it was a few red flags there. And I think the, the, what was the last, was one more thing that I asked her about, like the vitamin K shot or something that they give the babe, the newborns. And I said, well, what is this? Like one to know from the doctor, what is, what, why do you do this at this time? And she was like, well, you can just talk to the pediatrician about that. And I said, so what are you just there to catch? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand. We don't see the pediatrician until after the baby leaves the hospital. So you're giving, you're putting in the order for this. So why would I need to talk to the pediatrician? At that point, I felt like, oh my God, I can't do this. Like I I cannot do this like this. Again, I've already had traumatic experiences giving birth. So coming into this space where I'm like, I'm not prepared. I'm excited. I, I came in like this and I left like, okay. And so I said, I can't do that. I told my husband, I, I'm not doing it. I am not we're going to have to find another alternate care. So we found a birth center, but they didn't, they didn't allow like epidurals. And I was used to the epidural. And I said, I don't care. I don't want to have that experience. And then they taught about how to have a natural birth. They went through. So having access to that knowledge, I always knew just one way. And so if I had known, you know, in the beginning that you don't just have to have an epidural and there's a way for you to have a natural birth and it not be traumatic, then maybe that would have happened before. But I, I feel like it's just access to the awareness and the knowledge that these all these different tools exist to help us in these different areas. That's where I feel like the barriers have been, just access to knowledge. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, access to information and resources and just the understanding of what you can ask for, you know, like what are your options? Right. And so unfortunately, so many new mothers in those situations or even experienced mothers mm-hmm. don't know to ask for these things. You don't um, know. It, it really is. You feel the, bad for asking because you get you yes. someone that's just like, why are you even oh. asking me that? Or you, she, she even said, well, you seem like, you know, a lot. I'm like you're supposed to be my doctor that's delivering wow. my baby. You won't be de- you won't be touching me ever again. I called them. I said, "Is there a possibility that she could deliver my baby?" They said, "Yes, if she's on call." Well, thank you. That's all I needed to know because we won't be doing that. Good and so you. to feel you. like you yeah. know, I was wrong for asking questions about what this journey would be like. You know, this time around, I get you know. I could, I told her, "Hey, I have a child that's." special needs and she, he was born 35 weeks and she's like well because she says we generally don't go over the birth plan until 37 weeks well I've had a 35 week old child so you think we what do you think we should do about this you know and so it was just that type of experience I feel that that those are barriers access to knowledge and then feeling like you're an idiot or something for asking questions about your own health yeah. wanting clarity from experts I'm so sorry you had that experience and that she made you feel that way. I I think that unfortunately it's all too common in the healthcare industry. And, you know, I always try to think that doctors and nurses and, you know, they're people too, they could be having a bad day, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it's true. That is very Mm -hmm. true. But it's also important when you're in an industry like that, that you're very aware of how much the things you say and the way your tone, how you like that, it has an impact. Absolutely. I um, like, so even if you need to like take a mental health yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, I like that you mentioned that because it's interesting that when we go through our staff trainings because of that awareness that everyone, including the, our babies, have days where things are just like, I am having a bad day. And so in our training, I literally tell the staff, hey, if you are having a moment, communicate that to me. We can, but what we can't do is allow our moments to go and transfer off to our babies. Like we have to protect them. And I said, you let me know and we will make sure that we have, you know, coverage or you can, Hey, I need to step out. I need to take a breather. Like definitely be aware and know that I'm here to support because I know I have, I have moments too, where we're human. And so just that awareness and being able to communicate that is so important. Yeah. Communication can make all the difference in the world. I'm 30 something. And um, <laughs> she never remembers, by the way. I, That's like, legit. I know, no one. I had a conversation recently. I'm 37. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm 37 years old and I'm still just learning that, you know, mm-hmm. like to embrace the power of communication, but it does. It makes, it makes all the difference in the world. Yes. Chris, now I have to ask you, your positive, upbeat energy is just, I mean, I mentioned at the beginning, I felt it extensively from our first conversation with you. How do you navigate life's challenges and disappointments and still always find your way back to this beautiful, upbeat, loving attitude that you have? It's the goal. I love this space. I like really love this space. I love being in a joyful space. I love being around people and us being joyful together. And so when I get to a place where that's not happening, I try to figure out like, how do I sit, you know, sit in, sit in this, deal with this. But the goal ultimately is to get back to that place because that's where I, that's what I love. I love being in that space. And so it just depends on what's happening at the time, you know, and there, there's seasons, there's days, there's moments and being able to recognize that when a pastor, actually, I wrote this in, I wrote this so many places. I wrote it, I've given it to people, I wrote it on my wall and on my mirror, but he said during a service one day, Pastor Andy, I don't know if he got it from someone else, but I got it from him. And he said, anything temporary can be tolerated. And so with that mindset to say, okay, what I'm feeling right now is temporary. I have to go through the process. I have to go through, you know, whatever it requires of me, but this is not my forever because that's not how I choose 
to live my life. I choose to be happy. That does not mean that I'm happy every moment, but ultimately, once I get through whatever the situation is, the goal is to get back there and this new person, because you, you're growing. Now you've grown through that experience. So it's to get back to that happy place and bring on these, you know, new tools and experiences and, and you know, the growth with me to this back to the happy space. Like, I love it. Would you consider that your family motto or your, your personal motto? That's definitely my personal model. My, with my family, I would say, you know, we're like, hey, we'll figure it out. Our final question for you, what message do you think every mom should hear? The message is that you're where you're supposed to be. You feel how you need to feel. And you have the power to be who and what you want to be. So like I just said, I want to be in those happy, joyous spaces. And so you have that power to be that, whether that be reaching out for support, whatever support you need to use, use it. You do not have to do this alone. You are not alone. Find your group, you know, find, find whatever the supportive thing you need for whatever you're dealing with. There's nothing that you have to go through alone. That's what I really want mothers to know. And, and whatever it is that you are passionate about, or you dream that you're, that you're supposed to do it. It's going to be hard. But if it was given to you and you thought about it and you really feel strongly about it, you're supposed to do it. Chris, now on behalf of Chrissy and myself, we are so glad that our paths have crossed. You are truly a light and a delight as well. So a light and delight to be around and to <laughs> talk to. And even though we are not together in the same room, your energy is contagious. So oh. keep doing what you're doing. And we're very grateful for you. Thank you for this time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Could you feel the sparkle and positive energy radiating off of Krishna? It's contagious when in her presence, either in person or virtual. Here are our three takeaways. Number one, in our get to know you questions, we asked Krishna what advice she would give to her younger self. Her reply directed to her younger self is applicable to every stage of life. She said that it's okay not to know how things are going to pan out and it's okay not to be perfect or do everything right. As you make choices and move through your life, her encouragement was to evaluate your intentions. It's inevitable that as you live life, things won't necessarily go the way you thought they would go. But as long as your intention is to do good, then the results will naturally fall into place. She said to go through the journey the way that you see it and along the way, catch it or pass it. What she means by this is to catch it or take others' advice if it fits for you. Evaluate what parts of it worked or pass it. You don't have to take all the advice that you're given. Just take what works for you and leave the rest. Be mindful if you're trying to change to fit someone else's perspective of who they think you should be. Be true to yourself. Number two, Krishna experienced perinatal depression with the pregnancy of all three of her children. It was at these times when her naturally joyful and happy persona took on a darkness that was uncharacteristic. She said that it was a very difficult time in her life, but what helped her through was having support of friends and family, and then eventually seeing a therapist. Seeking support was pivotal in her healing. She also mentioned that when she stopped to evaluate all that she was doing, she realized that she was placing a lot of expectations on herself. She began shooting on herself. I should be able to handle all the things for the kids. I should be able to handle all the cooking and the cleaning. I should be able to handle all of the errands. That's when she started to restructure her home. She worked on finding systems that worked and delegated tasks to others that she didn't need to own. This was helpful in opening the space needed for her physical and mental healing. Once Krishna discovered how this process helped her, she in turn vowed to help others the same way. She stressed the importance of reaching out for support. Whatever support you need to use, use it. You don't have to do this alone. 
Through her business, My Parenting Partners, Krishna created a resource that helps to relieve the common stressors associated with parenthood by assisting parents with daily tasks, while also encouraging mothers to find their passion and go after it. Number three, Krishna discussed her personal experience with receiving inequitable maternal care. She stressed that access and awareness are the biggest issues. There's no lack in the amount of resources and programming. They're everywhere. The problem is having access to the knowledge, recognizing what's available, and the different options for care is not well known. And therefore, it makes it difficult to be strong advocates for your personal health, especially when the healthcare system may not communicate effectively to inform people what their options are and what they can ask for. If you are not feeling heard, your questions are not being answered, or you feel dismissed, it's important to remember that you have the power to seek alternate care. You have the right to ask questions about your own health and request clarity from experts. Bye-bye, friends. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us so you're the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.